This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're flooding our way into episode number 36. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and today we are going to talk about how to improve your milk supply naturally. There are many different ways that are talked about to boost milk supply. I want to start at the beginning. An important part of boosting your milk supply is letting birth happen physiologically and letting those early moments with your baby happen the way that they're naturally designed to happen. This is especially important to listen to if you're still pregnant right now. You want to strive to have as natural a birth as possible because all of that has an impact on breastfeeding. It is true that moms who even have a surgical birth can have a great breastfeeding relationship. And if you go back and listen to, I actually think it was the very first Birth, Baby, and Life podcast that I did where I talked about family-centered cesareans. There are doctors who are really striving to help moms have a great start to breastfeeding even right there in the operating room while, while the doctors are finishing up with getting mom all fixed up. The moms are able to breastfeed right there on the operating table. And even in recovery, there are nurses who are very much into helping facilitate a great breastfeeding relationship. So if for some reason a surgical birth is necessary or there's a less than ideal birth circumstance, moms and babies can still bond and have a great breastfeeding relationship. But it's unfair to to not talk about how birth impacts breastfeeding in order to try not to hurt feelings. So I don't want to hurt feelings, but I also don't want to shortchange you of information that you deserve. So I hope that you can see where I'm coming from and understand that maybe fine line that I'm trying to walk with that. So birth and physiological birth has a big impact on breastfeeding because when birth happens the way that it's supposed to, there's a lot of hormonal exchange, interchange, flow between mom and dad, or well, between mom and dad, yes, excuse me, between mom and baby. And in fact, everybody in the room is impacted because there's a spike in all of these hormones when the baby is born. So there's a rush of adrenaline right at the baby's birth. There's a flood of oxytocin right at the baby's birth. Beta endorphin levels are very high. And that that really stimulates the bond between mom and baby. And then when baby is not messed with, so this means not not taken in the cord cut and the baby wiped down and then bundled up and brought to mom in a sweet little package, not, none of that happens. What happens is that the baby is either left there for a minute between mom's legs and she just looks at the baby for a minute and then scoops baby up or maybe mom brings baby right up onto her chest but the baby comes up and the baby still has birth fluids, amniotic fluid on his or her hands. Baby can smell that. And that smells similar to the oils that are secreted by mom's breasts. And so the baby smells his or her hands 
smells that familiar amniotic fluid smell. That smell is also around mom's breasts. There are pheromone things going on around the breasts, around the armpits. That's a that's a very unique and particular smell. And I know we don't, I'm laughing because we don't have uh, good connotations with armpit smell. But, but there are oils and things that are secreted that are pleasing to our babies and that identify us mom as mom. And then, as I said a minute ago, those, those hormones really powerfully influence everybody else in the room, which that, that might be why people decide to become doctors and midwives because they happen to experience a pretty physiologically normal birth and there's this big rush of hormones and everybody in the room gets high on them because oxytocin especially is a hormone that transmits from person to person. You can't see me right now, but I'm talking with my hands and just, you know, I'm kind of making motions of it goes all around the room because it does that. And so mom and dad and nurse and midwife and doctor, they're all taking in that oxytocin and they're all really supportive and and as long as they're not letting the intellectual mind that, oh my gosh, that baby's dirty and I have to clean him or her up. But, but all of that comes together. All that hormonal rush comes together and the baby is smelling the smells and feeling the hormones and looking at mom. And as midwife Carla Hartley says, having that there you are moment. And mom is looking at the baby and holding this sweet, precious baby. And you're smelling the baby. And so many hormonal triggers and things are going on in the brain. I mean, there's just so much firing that we don't really even comprehend right now. The enormous amount of stuff that's triggering in the mom's brain. It's just, it's so enormous that it's even beyond me to put into words, but it's incredible. It's incredible. And this all helps to get breastfeeding off to a good start. All of this comes together. It's almost like a symphony. And the mom and the baby get the best start. So the best way to boost milk supply, even before your baby is born, is to plan for this physiologically normal birth. And again, I respect moms and babies who haven't had an ideal start. And I also respect that moms and babies can overcome so much of this. So let's move in now. That's that's a good place to segue into the early days after birth. So whether you've had a rougher start or you've had this ideal start, now it's time to move into getting that milk supply going naturally. What do you want to do? You want to try and simulate what nature wants for you to do as much as possible. You don't want baby bundled and away from you. You want baby skin to skin and you want baby with you. I've shared before on the podcast, or at least I, maybe this is only with my childbirth students, so I might be sharing it for the first time here on the podcast, but after my third baby was born, Brennan, I had been up a lot in the couple of days before his birth. I mean, like up really late at night. And so after he was born, it was a wonderful, beautiful birth, my first water birth. But I was exhausted, and the hour or two after I was after he was born, my midwife could tell that something wasn't right with me and it was in the summertime in the deep south in the United States so it's hot and I told my midwife that I was hot and she must have had warning bells going off because I was kind of disinterested in Brennan and she had been with me for two other babies and knew that was completely not normal and so what they did is they bundled Brennan up and they gave him to me and they turned the fans on so that it could help me cool off and 
when I think about that now, at that time, I, I kind of felt guilty and weird about it, but I was, I was kind of out of it. But as soon as I was cooled off, I was back to really interacting with Brennan. And now what I wish that they had done was I wish that they had put him on my chest and then they had just covered him with a few blankets. Instead of bundling him up, he would have still been covered so that the fans, when the fans were on, they wouldn't have chilled him. But he would have been on my chest, which would have heated him up and just enough covers to cover him so that the rest of my body could have been uncovered. Because that would have allowed, in addition to helping me cool off, that would have allowed for his smell, for his little baby head, for me to really smell that and and just get a lot of good hormones going that would have also helped overcome things. I do think that what they did was, was a wonderful thing because it helped me get back interested in my baby and their instincts were definitely in the right place. But I share that as a story because if you've had a less than ideal start or something's going on, or even if you had a wonderful start and you want to sustain that momentum, the thing to do is to have your naked baby on you. So baby in just a diaper or maybe baby on a waterproof pad, but otherwise naked baby on your naked chest between your naked breasts, no hat on your baby's head. If you need to be warm, if baby needs to be warm, put a blanket over both you and baby or over baby on your chest because your body actually helps to keep your baby warm. And Try and be like this as much as possible in the early days, especially in the first three to four days after birth, and if possible, in the first week or so after birth. You and naked baby, and yes, this means you need to stay in bed, and yes, maybe this may mean that you need to limit visitors because you're, you've got a naked baby and you're naked, your baby's between your breasts, and that's okay. Tell the visitors that they can come by in a week or so. This is a, this is a good start with your baby. And again, this is all hormonal stuff. There are all kinds of hormonal triggers and hormonal signals that are going on at this time. And another thing that's a benefit of this is you're, you're unrestricted. Your breasts are unrestricted. Your baby is unrestricted. You're going to pick up on those hunger cues right away. And your baby has easy access to your breasts. And if you're in bed, you're relaxed and can, can take more time to get to know the nursing relationship. Or maybe if you're sitting up in a recliner, you might have a button-up shirt on you but that, that's open so that baby can be inside the shirt. You've, you've probably seen pictures of this when you've seen pictures of preemies in kangaroo care. The mom and or the dad will wear a button-up shirt. And then the baby will just be placed inside the shirt. And that works very well, even for term babies. And so you're just spending this time really enjoying your baby. And your skin is responsive to your baby. And your baby's body is, is responsive to your skin. You regulate your baby's respiration levels. You rec- or you regulate your baby's glucose levels. Um, you regulate your baby's temperature. There's just so much that's going on there that your body does for your baby because even after birth you're meant to be a unit and and honoring that has beneficial effects on your breastfeeding relationship talking specifically about how breastfeeding can help breastfeeding nursing early and often whenever your baby wants to is a good way to get your supply off to a good start Especially once your milk comes in, nursing early and often will help encourage your milk to come in, especially if you're right there cuddled with your baby and all these hormonal things are going on. And then making sure that you're nursing your baby frequently signals to your body that it needs to make milk frequently. Breastfeeding is a supply and demand relationship. And so when your baby nurses plenty, then your body gets the signal that it needs to make plenty of milk. That's important. 
you want to nurse early and often. And there's some research that goes to show that though you can build milk supply later and though you can overcome problems with milk supply later, really the supply that you establish in those early days forms a baseline for your supply throughout the rest of your nursing relationship with your baby. So pay attention to these early days. Honor that time with your baby. Tell the rest of the world it's got to wait because you'll never get these early weeks back. And it's important to focus on them. Nutrition is a big thing that can help you boost your milk supply, can help you keep a rich milk supply. So if you're worried that your baby's getting a lot of the thinner fore milk but not the fattier hind milk or you're worried about the quality of your milk, don't run off and get a formula. Don't even make one of the homemade formulas. (laughs) Work on your diet. It will make an incredible difference in your milk right away. Milk is being manufactured continually. And if you boost your nutrition, you can boost not only your milk supply but the nutrition of your milk really really quickly just what you can pump milk before you change your diet and then if you change your diet to a truly nutrient-dense diet and pump more milk you can look and see the difference in your milk your milk will be a richer golden color you'll see a thicker cream line on your milk it's an experiment that you can do yourself to validate what I'm saying Hundreds, thousands of moms have been able to do it. So you want to eat a good, healthy diet. Fats are very vital. If you've heard anything that I've said about pregnancy or getting pregnant or breastfeeding before, I always talk about how important fats are because fats are nourishing to your body, they're nourishing to your baby's brain, and they help you to make rich milk. When I say fats, I'm talking about traditional fats that people have eaten throughout time. So that's whole full-fat dairy. Uh, that's olive oil. That's coconut oil. That's palm oil. That's the fats that come with animal foods. So the marbling in your steak or the skin on your chicken. Those are good traditional fats. You don't want franken oils like soybean oil and cottonseed oil. These newfangled fats that the industry tries to, to tell you are good for you They're not good for you. You want to eat the fats that have nourished healthy babies for centuries, for ages. That's what you really want. Getting good fats in your diet will make a big difference in the the fat level of your breast milk. And babies do not want to eat a low-fat diet. So especially if you're struggling with not just quantity but the quality of your milk, I would recommend that you look into how much healthy fat that you're getting. Then think about how much you are actually eating. Are you eating enough? Are you getting enough calories? If you listen to the last podcast where I was talking about what to do when you're not getting pregnant, I talked about how do we handle it when calorie levels are really low. And that's the same thing is true with with breastfeeding. Um you know, calorie levels should not be low for getting pregnant, for pregnancy, or for breastfeeding. And in fact, when you're breastfeeding, you really want to try and keep up your pre-pregnancy, or your pregnancy, excuse me, your pregnancy calorie levels, especially in the first weeks. Now, once your baby is older and your milk supply is well established, when baby is six months, nine months, 
then I do think it's okay for moms to cut down on their calorie level. And you may just be busy and it may be hard to pay attention to. Um, And I think that then it's okay to decrease the calorie level, especially if you don't naturally find it easy to eat a higher calorie level. But especially in the early weeks in the newborn period, the first three months when milk supply is establishing and when your baby is growing so rapidly, you want to make sure that you're getting plenty of calories. I would say shoot for 24 to 2600 calories a day at least. And when you're breastfeeding, your body uses about 500 extra calories. So that's 500 of those calories gone right there. And 2100 calories, um, 1,900 calories is a maintenance level calories for many women. And even getting down into the 1,800, I mean, that could create a caloric deficit right there. So you want to make sure that you are getting enough calories. Don't worry about the weight loss. It's hard, especially for some moms. I've definitely been there myself, uh, but try not to worry about weight loss for the first six months. Give yourself a break, and really, ideally, it took nine months to put the weight on, and wait until nine months until you really worry about getting it off. But it's especially crucial, again, in those early days when you're establishing your milk supply. If you feel like, um, you know, how, how do I eat all that, or I'll be eating all junk food, You can do this without eating junk food. So cut the junk food out. That's not what you want to get your calories on. You want to get calories through nourishing foods, whole foods, whole fat dairy, meats, uh, properly soaked beans and legumes, lots of vegetables, moderate fruits. If you're okay with the carbs or the grains, then you can do properly prepared grains, those can be very good and nourishing for you. In fact, we're going to talk about a few that are especially good for for when you're breastfeeding, for build, boosting milk supply. But you want to make sure that you're eating plenty of food and that it's all nutrient-dense food, not empty calories. Go to McDonald's every once in a while, but don't make it a habit. That's the sort of thing that will boost your milk supply, the nourishing, nutrient-dense foods, getting plenty of calories, getting enough fat, And make sure that you're making time to eat. If you need to get in the kitchen in the morning and prepare a cooler food like you might have done during pregnancy so that you have snacks, do that. La Leche League recommends that when you sit down to nurse, you have water and you have a snack nearby. And that's a really good policy. Make sure that you're getting the food that you need. Because especially once your babies come and you're a busy mom, it's harder to take time for yourself. So ask for help when you need it and do what you need to do to make sure that you're eating well. Also, probiotic foods like sauerkraut, yogurt, kefir, small amounts of kombucha, any traditionally cultured vegetable, those can be really good for you because they help your body have the enzymes that it needs, and those can help your body to make a higher quality milk. Um, Raw cream is another good one because that one's a good fat, and it has lots of enzymes, and that can, can create a powerful, strong boost for your milk. So all of these things that we've talked about cumulatively work towards helping helping boost your milk supply. You can also do things like take supplements or eat specific things to help with your milk supply. I said that I would mention a couple grains. Oatmeal and quinoa are those two grains. Everybody knows oatmeal and what that is just steel-cut oats. I recommend that you soak your oats overnight so that you're having a soaked oatmeal porridge 
and that works out really well. In fact, that's what my kids eat every morning for breakfast, and I usually eat it with them a couple times a week and like to think that it's helping my milk supply. But the oats are very good for boosting milk supply. And a bowl of oatmeal daily or even some mildly sweetened oatmeal cookies can really help. When I was nursing Galen and he was having trouble eating solid food, I wanted to make sure that my milk supply stayed high quality and very rich for him. And so I ate a big bowl of oatmeal every morning with butter and cream and berries. And I was also working on so many other things like a nutrient-dense diet. But literally, I just had milk gushing everywhere. And this was when he was over a year old. And I think that that bowl of oatmeal every morning with the milk or with the butter and the cream really made a big difference in my milk supply. Quinoa is the other grain, and that's spelled Q-U-I-N-O-A, spelled Q-U-I-N-O-A, and pronounced quinoa. And it's it's not actually a grain; it's actually a seed but it should be soaked too, ideally. And it's cooked just like rice. In fact, you can cook it in a rice cooker. And it's traditionally been used by many cultures to boost milk production. And so you can add quinoa and you can use it a lot like rice. Or uh, if you've ever had couscous before, it's kind of like couscous. It has The quinoa has little curly cues on it that kind of pop out once it's been cooked. So my kids think that it's a lot of fun uh, to, to eat quinoa with its little curly cues, but it's just, it's good, and it can be used in almost any recipe that calls for rice, where um, where maybe the texture isn't as important as just having a carrier for the sauce or the flavor. Very versatile, and you can find a lot of recipes for it. There are also teas on the market, milk teas, some moms call them booby teas, and but mother's milk teas, you can find a lot of those, the The central ingredient in most of those is fenugreek, and you can actually take fenugreek by itself as an herbal supplement. The way that you know that these teas and fenugreek are at a level in your body that's helping is that your sweat will smell like maple syrup. So here we are talking about sweat again two times in the same episode. Isn't that interesting? Anyways, your sweat will smell like maple syrup. And the the mother's milk teas are usually a blend of herbs. Fenugreek capsules are just fenugreek. But a lot of moms have found that those really help. And, and they're pleasant to take too. And smelling like maple syrup, unless you really don't like maple syrup, is not unpleasant. And babies don't seem to mind at all. So that's something that you can do. Again, I would use that in conjunction with the other things that I'm talking about. Then there's one uh, capsule, which is Gaia Herbs Lactation Support, which I know you can get in the United States. I'm not sure for you ladies who are overseas if there's if you can get it or if there's an equivalent to it. But it's I have actually used this supplement myself, um, and it's... It's got fenugreek in it. It smells like maple syrup. It comes in capsules. And then it's got some other herbs in it. And it works really well. I found it that it worked very well. I took this with honor when I just, I was doing a lot of intensive exercise at the time because we, my husband and I had really gotten into lifting weights and stuff. And I noticed that my milk supply decreased a little probably from going crazy with an exercise routine. And I took this supplement with her and really noticed a a big change in my milk supply from that. So I can endorse that one personally. Other moms that I've talked to said that they didn't see much difference, but it made a big difference for my body. I do want to note that if you are nursing 
and your milk supply drops because you get pregnant again, then it's totally safe to do the foods, totally safe to do diet, totally safe to do fat, totally safe to nurse your baby as often uh, as you can, especially overnight if you can tolerate that. And totally safe to do oatmeal and quinoa, but do not use fenugreek or products that contain fenugreek. That's not safe for your unborn baby. But there are other strategies that you can use like I just outlined. And before we wrap up this episode, let's talk about night nursing. Because above and beyond any other nursing you can do, night nursing can probably boost your milk supply the most. This is a strategy that tends to work really well for nursing moms or working moms who are worried about their milk supply because you're away from baby during the day. And even though you're pumping to be able to provide your baby with milk at home, pumping doesn't necessarily boost milk supply quite the same. Though if you can pump while your baby is nursing at the same time, especially in the morning, <coughs> excuse me, that can often be a very good way to boost milk supply. But for working moms who aren't with their baby during the day because baby's with another care provider, nursing at night, as tiring as it may be, I would recommend co-sleeping if that's possible for you, can really boost your milk supply. And this is true for any mom. Because the hormones, uh, prolactin and things like that, that help to increase and encourage milk supply are the highest at night. So when you're up at night nursing your baby or when you're cuddling your baby and just giving baby unrestricted access to the breast at night, that will help keep your milk supply higher and can help boost your milk supply, especially if you haven't been nursing at night. So I would recommend bringing baby to bed with you. And if you do something like I did, go on a crazy exercise routine or if you get sick or anything like that and notice that your milk supply seems to drop, then just taking a little staycation where you stay home and you stay in bed or stay on the couch and watch movies and read books and just cuddle and nurse your your little one and encourage him or her to nurse as much as possible can be helpful. This is easier with an in-arms baby than if you have a busy older baby who's crawling or a toddler who's running everywhere. But if you can do all that you can to just forget about the rest of the world for a few days, stay at home, cuddle and nurse your baby, and just enjoy being with your baby even an older baby just holding your baby close smelling his or her sweet smelling head being skin to skin if possible those things can go a long way to boosting your milk supply so these are all we covered a bunch of strategies for naturally boosting milk supply and I really do feel like any mom who is struggling with milk supply can take these suggestions and implement most of them and you will see a a good difference in your milk supply. So again, as always, my thoughts are with you, especially with your struggling with this, or if you're just thinking about ways that you can increase your supply, or if you're pregnant and you just want to be ready, my thoughts are with you. I will link to you my article on boosting milk supply through nutrition in the show notes, and I will talk to you next week. We are going to talk about why gut flora is so important. So again, we're going to be dealing with digestive issues. But I'm looking forward to that episode. In the meantime, I would love it if you would leave me a review on iTunes or in Stitcher or in whatever podcast directory you found the podcast in. It means so much to me and it helps so many other families to get the word out. The more reviews we get, the more people can hear the podcast and the more families I can help. And I 
I really appreciate you coming together with me and getting the word out to more families. So please leave me a review. Leave me comments if you would like to hear something from me or if you've got suggestions for me. If there was something you really didn't like, please let me know that. I'm open to all of that because I want to improve for you. And if you're pregnant right now and preparing for your baby's birth, remember you can go to TrustBirth101.com. That's TrustBirth101.com. And you can get my guide to preparing for birth. I cover a lot of information on healthy pregnancy. And you'll get lots of tips for bringing up a healthy baby, for having a great breastfeeding relationship, and just enjoying life as a mom. And with that, I will talk to you next week, and we will talk about all of those good little critters in yours and your baby's gut. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.